Okay, tonight I'm going to talk about independent origination of liberation. This is one of the suttas in the <clears throat> Samyutta Nikaya, Nidana Samyutta. Nidana is a dependent origination, conscience dependent origination, Paticca Samuppada. It's one of the um, more difficult topics in the Dhamma. And usually when we talk of uh, Paticca Samuppada, we talk about the 12 links of dependent origination of suffering. But this sutta is a bit special. This is of 12 links of dependent origination. Today we, uh, this sutta talks about, about 24 links. 24 links. And um, it traces the steps to liberation how we can become liberated. So it's a very important sutta. And uh, a bit deep. So okay, this sutta and the Nidana Sangyutta is the 23rd sutta. So it's uh, Sangyutta Nikaya 12.23 at Savati. The Buddha said, monks, I say that the destruction of the asavas is for one who knows and sees, not for one who does not know and does not see. For one who knows what, for one who sees what, does the destruction of the asavas come about. Such is body, such its origin, such its passing away, such is feeling, such is origin, such is passing away. Similarly, uh, perception, volition, consciousness. is for one who knows thus, for one who sees thus, that the destruction of the asavas comes about. Okay, stop here for a moment uh, to explain. What is this destruction of the asavas? <coughs> destruction of the asavas uh, is one of the six abhinya, six higher knowledges. Uh, out of the six higher knowledges, uh, five concern psychic powers. Uh, five concern psychic powers. And this one, destruction of the asavas, uh, uh, the meaning uh, is liberation, attainment of arahanhood. Because uh, these asavas uh, are the uncontrolled mental outflows. Our mind is leaking. All of us, uh, the mind is leaking. And basically, uh, this leakage uh, is a leakage of consciousness. Uh, this um, asavas can be translated uh, as uncontrolled mental outflows. And uh, it's basically the outflows, the, the flow of the six consciousness. The seeing consciousness, hearing consciousness, smelling, taste, touch and thinking consciousness. So normally these... Um, Six consciousness flows uh, uh, without our control. And this flow uh, is very fierce, uh, very strong. And it's very difficult to uh, stop this flow or even to control it. Uh, so that's why it's called uncontrolled mental outflows. For a person like the Arahan, uh, he has completed his work. Uh, he still has the six consciousness. The six consciousness still flows in an Arahan, uh, but it is controlled. It's not like us, uh, uncontrolled. So when the uh, outflows, mental outflows are uncontrolled, uh, we are always uh, thinking. Uh, that's why when we are not doing anything, uh, 
we daydream, we think of this, think of that, as how can say, it's your tongue, it's your side, thinking east, thinking west. So, this, if continues to flow, it gives us suffering. It gives us suffering. Because our mind is scattered. Our energy goes out to the eye, to the uh, ears, the nose, tongue, body, and mind, and our mind is not focused. So that's why uh, when we close our eyes, uh, everything is dark. But for the arahan, uh, whose uh, uh, mind uh, is, uh, he is in total control of the mind. So uh, in the uh, suttas, it says uh, for an arahan, uh, day is like night. Night is like day. Uh, when he opens his eyes or closes his eyes, uh, it's always bright. Uh, so, now this flow of this uh, uh, uncontrolled uh, outflows, uh, um, if it continues to flow uh, and it's time for you to take a rest uh, and it continues to flow, uh, you cannot sleep, you know. At night when you want to sleep, uh, Sometimes, uh, say, you get agitated over something. Uh, maybe somebody says something nasty to you in the office. Uh, and you keep thinking about it uh, the whole day. Uh, you can't sleep. Uh, so when you go go to the bed, uh, you, continue, you continue to think of it. Uh. So for you to even fall asleep, uh, you've got to switch off this computer. <laughs> right? uh, so you've got to be able uh, to stop the mind from flowing, uh, at least for a short while. Uh, and then you fall asleep. But the moment you fall asleep, huh, what happens? It flows again. You start dreaming, yeah? <laughs> you start dreaming of this, uh, dreaming of that. And depending on your karma, on your um, on the state of your mind, uh, your dreams uh, uh, reflect uh, the state of your mind. If you're a violent person, uh, when you go to sleep like a gangster, you have violent dreams. Uh, and you are a lustful person, you have lustful dreams, etc. Uh, but if, uh, if you have a very uh, pleasant character, you have a Dewa or Dewi character, when you go to sleep, uh, it's like Disneyland. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so this uh, outflows, uh, it's uh, quite uh, difficult to control. So now, this Sangsara, uh, is here when the six consciousness flows uh, then you see the world you hear the world you smell the smells in the world uh, you taste the food uh, in the world uh, etc and the thinking so the first five consciousness uh, the seeing the hearing the smelling taste and touch uh, they tell you about the outside world right then the thinking consciousness uh, tells you about the inside world uh, so the world uh, is here, is in the sixth consciousness. Uh, there is no other world uh, than in the sixth consciousness. So to attain Nibbana, you have to stop this uh, outflows. You have to stop this uh, uncontrolled outflows. When you stop this uncontrolled outflows, uh, the tendency to flow uh, is checked. So like for an Arahan, uh, uh, he has uh, stopped this tendency of the mind to flow uh, so that when an arahan passes away and uh, the body dies uh, and the consciousness does not continue to flow. Uh, so it does not have a rebirth. Uh, 
So for us uh, uh, who believe in the original Buddha teachings uh, and Arahant has finished his work, uh, when he passes away, uh, he is no more reborn, uh, not like what the Mahayanis say. Uh. So this is why uh, uh, this uh, destruction of the Asavas uh, is uh, liberation uh, because uh, when you have destroyed the Asavas, uh, then you have stopped the flow of consciousness and Sangsara is stopped uh, because Sangsara is the continued uh, working of consciousness. Uh. So that's why the Buddha says in the suttas uh, that consciousness uh, is like a conjurer, uh, a magician who makes you see one lifetime as a human being and if you have been following the Dhamma the next lifetime you see yourself as a Deva or a Devi so consciousness is this conjurer so this destruction of the Asavas is liberation from here you can see why the Jhanas are important Samadhi Samadhi when you attain the Jhanas the mind stops flowing you are able to control the outflows at least for the period you are in that jhana. If you are in that jhana for one hour, then for one hour you are able to stop the mind from flowing uncontrollably. Right? And that's why the Buddha says that the jhana samadhi are the footprints of the Buddha that lead to liberation. Okay. So, this Sutta says, uh, to, the attain, to attain the uh, destruction of the asavas, uh, you have to know and see. Uh, and what, what is it that you know and see? It is the five khandhas, uh, the five aggregates. Uh, uh, body, feeling, perception, volition and consciousness. Uh. These five aggregates uh, are also called body and mind. The first one is body. Then the other four are components of the mind, feeling, perception, volition, and consciousness is the mind part. So the five khandhas is body and mind. It is not nama rupa. Later books, they say that nama rupa is body and mind. That's a wrong interpretation. It is the five khandhas that are body and mind. So because this body and mind, you take to be I, or mine, or I am in the five aggregates, or the five aggregates are inside of me. So you attach to these five aggregates because you take it to be I and mine. So it is here that the self, the ego, lodges itself. So you have to be able to see that these five aggregates, the body and mind, are impermanent. The nature of the five aggregates are impermanent. And how they arise uh, through conditions. Uh, and they cease uh, also through conditions. Uh. That's why here it says, uh, you have to understand uh, such is body, feeling, volition, conscious, perception, volition and consciousness. Uh, and such is its origin, uh, how it arises through conditions. And such its passing away, how the five aggregates uh, cease uh, through conditions. Uh. So, uh, you attain uh, destruction of the asavas uh, or liberation uh, by knowing and seeing uh, these five aggregates uh, that you take to be I and mine. Uh, uh. Okay, then uh, he continues. Uh, I say, monks, that the knowledge of destruction in regard to destruction 
has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for the knowledge of destruction? That means destruction of the asavas. It should be said liberation. Uh, stop here for a moment now. Uh, here uh, is the actual uh, series. Uh, we begin here, uh, the actual series of these uh, 24 links. Uh, here it says, knowledge of destruction of the asavas uh, is said to be due to liberation. But liberation, just now I mentioned, uh, is actually destruction of the asavas. So what he's saying here uh, is that knowledge of destruction of the asavas, uh, the cause of knowledge of destruction of the asavas uh, is the destruction of the asavas. When you have destroyed the asavas, uh, then you know that you have destroyed the asavas, which is liberation. Uh, so here the knowledge of destruction, uh, the cause is liberation or destruction of the asavas. So now we come to the second one. I say monks that liberation too or destruction of the asavas uh, too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for liberation? It should be said dispassion. Dispassion. This word, uh, Pali word, uh, is viraga. Raga, we know, uh, means uh, sometimes we say greed, hatred, and delusion. Sometimes we say lust, hatred, and delusion. This word lust uh, does not refer to sexual lust, uh, but to excessive greed. Uh. So this uh, raga is the same as loba. The meaning uh, is excessive greed, uh, strong greed uh, for uh, sensual pleasures, uh, meaning uh, for sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, uh, uh. So, uh, this passion here, viraga, means the opposite of raga. Raga is strong, greed. So, this passion is totally no greed, no more interested. So, here it says dispassion. Another word you can use is disenchantment. Disenchantment. Another word you can use is no more interest in the world. No more interest in the world. So when a person has no more interest in the world, there's no more fire in him. You can say in a way, it's like cool, it's cooled down. The fire of lust has cooled down. So it's because his fire of lust has cooled down. That's why he can become liberated, can attain destruction of the asavas. So the third link is dispassion viraga. I, uh, and then uh, I say monks that dispassion too has approximate cause. It does not lack an approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for dispassion? It should be said revulsion. This word revulsion uh, is nibida. Sometimes uh, other than revulsion, uh, it is translated as viridna. Viridna, revulsion, like a kind of aversion. Uh, aversion for existence, uh, for the world. I say monks that, uh, in Hokkien we say, Ya Liao La. Ya Liao. Mm. So from Ya Liao, uh, then you get Ling Liao La, Sim Ling Liao La, Bo Ai Liao La. Uh, uh. So, okay, so I say monks that revulsion too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for revulsion? It should be said, knowledge. And vision of things as they really are. So this is the uh, fifth condition. Uh, 
uh, knowledge and vision of things as they really are. The Pali is yatta buddha nyanandasana, seeing things as they really are. Okay, and although it is not explained here, what is it that you see and know as they really are? Although it is not explained here, actually it is the five khandhas. When you know and you see the five khandhas, five khandhas, that means body and mind, as it really is, as impermanent, as because it is impermanent, as a source of suffering, as subject to conditions, then you don't identify with it. Because when you identify the body and mind with yourself, you take it to be yourself, then you attach to it and it gives you suffering. And this self is not only like my body and my mind, also my son my daughter, my husband, my wife. So when anything happens to I and mine, like my family members and all that, you suffer terribly. So after you have suffered enough, then one day then you think it's not worth it. If you haven't suffered enough, you still want. So uh, this knowledge and vision of things as they really are. These things uh, is actually the five aggregates. Uh, then only uh, when you have uh, knowledge and vision of the five aggregates as they really are, then you experience revulsion for the five aggregates. Uh, I say monks that the knowledge and vision of things as they really are too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the proximate cause for the knowledge and vision of things as they really are? It should be said concentration. Uh, and this is very important. You know, to be able to see and know clearly, uh, you need concentration. Why? Because the, the Buddha always says uh, in the suttas uh, that the reason why we are blur blur, as we say, uh, Malaysians I would like to say blur blur, uh, is because of this uh, five... Uh, uh, hindrances, panchanivarana. These five hindrances cover us uh, so that we have very low IQ. What is these five hindrances? Sensual desire, ill will or anger, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry and doubt. Uh, these five things. So it's fine. Uh, people uh, with very strong hindrances, uh, they, uh, their character uh, is base, low, uh, vulgar people, uh, like uh, behave like animal. Uh, nowadays you read in the newspaper, sometimes somebody uh, rapes the daughter, rapes the granddaughter. Uh, these are the type of people. Uh, uh, five hindrances are very strong. Uh, so it will lead them to a low rebirth. Uh, so uh, when we attain concentration, uh, our mind becomes focused. You know? That's why I mentioned uh, that uh, a mind... Uh, when the asavas flow, uh, our energy uh, goes out to the six sense organs, uh, right? To the eye to see, to the ear to hear, nose to smell, tongue to taste, body to touch, and the mind to thinking. Uh, so, because our mind goes out to these six sense doors, uh, our mind is scattered, uh, so it's not focused. Uh. So, when we uh, attain concentration, uh, the mind becomes focused. Uh, and this, uh, you need a lot of training. Uh, meditation uh, is all about focusing your mind. Uh, our mind uh, doesn't like to be focused. Uh, it's a kipochi. Uh, like to see, like to hear, like to smell, etc. 
So when we meditate, we train the mind to focus on one object, for example, breathing. So you notice your breath and go in, go out, go in, go out. Continue to notice the breath. Very soon, you run away. You run away, you go to your office, run away to your home. So you pull it back. So when you pull it back, direct it back to your object of meditation, that is one of the factors of jhana called vitaka. vitaka. So every time your mind runs away, you pull it back. That is vitaka. And then you keep it on your breath. For example, you are practicing a breath meditation. And you keep it focused on the breath. That is vichara. So if you want to attain jhana, these are the two things you need to use. Vitaka and vichara. Every time the mind runs away, you pull it back. As we talk, uh, and then you sustain it on your breath. Uh, you sustain it as long as you can. After a while, it runs away again. Uh, you use vitaka to pull it back again, and then you use vichara to sustain it on your object. Uh, you keep doing this. Uh, maybe after one or two years, uh, you get a little bit of kung fu. Uh, then you're able to uh, keep it on the breath. Uh, when you're able to keep it on the breath without it running away, uh, slowly, uh, your mind becomes focused. Uh. So when your mind becomes focused, uh, this ekagata, one-pointedness, uh, will start to arise. Uh, uh. So when it starts to become focused, uh, ekagata arises. Uh. Then piti and sukha comes along. Piti is delight. Uh. Uh, when the mind starts uh, becoming focused, uh, you're able to focus it. Uh. Or you're happy, uh. you're delighted. Uh. That is piti. And then you get this very nice bliss uh, that arises. Uh. That is sukha. Uh. So... And these five factors come together. Huh? You have vitaka, vichara, you have ekagata, then you have uh, piti and you have sukha. Huh? Once you have these five factors huh, and you're able to concentrate on your breath huh? uh, without any thoughts arising, huh? uh, that is uh, the first jhana. Huh? But uh, in the suttas it says huh, that skillful intentions or skillful thoughts can still arise. Not ordinary thoughts, skillful thoughts in the sense that when you attain this state, then you find, oh, this bliss arises and you know you're entering the first jhana. And what comes to your mind? The thought, oh, I must remember you know, how to retrace my steps, how I came into this state, which is so nice, which is a concentrated state. I must remember the steps I took to arrive at this. And there are only that type of thought. Uh, that is uh, mentioned in the sutta, that you will uh, have la, not unskillful thoughts, but skillful thoughts. La. Uh, then you continue sustaining it there. Then you arrive at the first jhana. Uh, and if you want to go into the second jhana, you have to con- cultivate this uh, until it is stronger and stronger. And then your piti and sukha becomes more pronounced. Uh, then you are able to let go of your breath uh, and put your attention on piti and sukha. Uh, then when you put your attention on piti and sukha, then you are no more concerned with your breath. Then you are left with three factors, piti, sukha and ekagata. Then you arrive at the second jhana. Uh, uh. So here concentration uh, in the Buddha's teachings, uh, perfect concentration or right concentration uh, is mentioned as the four jhanas. Four jhanas. Because <clears throat> the four jhanas... Uh, it is a very profound state. When a person attains the fourth jhana, the breath stops. It's a very deep state and very difficult to attain. 
uh, is mentioned in the sutta that the first three jhanas are perturbable. Uh, they are not uh, imperturbable, uh, still can be shaken. But when you enter, enter the fourth jhana, is such a strong state, uh, the Buddha says is imperturbable. Tak boleh goyang. So, that, that, uh, when you attain that state, uh, then uh, according to the suttas, uh, the mind becomes very bright. Uh, whole mind becomes bright. Uh, and that is the best condition uh, for knowing and seeing things as they really are. Because at that time, uh, the hindrances uh, dissolve away. Uh, no more hindrances. And you see very clearly, like, understand very clearly. Like, then you have very high IQ. Like. That's why it's not uh, surprising, uh, like somebody like, with a very high IQ, uh, like Albert Einstein. His samadhi is very good. You give him a long mathematical problem. Uh, he doesn't need a computer, doesn't need a calculator. He just close his eyes and does all the calculation. And after a few minutes, he writes it down. Uh, how can you do that without strong samadhi, right? Uh, so anybody uh, with a very high IQ uh, will have very good samadhi. So this concentration, so concentration refers to the, refers to the four jhanas. I say monks that concentration too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for concentration? It should be said happiness. Happiness is sukha. Sukha. When the mind is happy, then it can become concentrated. If the mind is not happy, then like, for example, if a person does not keep the precepts, uh, you kill and all that, uh, so uh, your conscience uh, will trouble you. Uh, and your conscience troubles you. Uh, you're not happy. Uh, you're not happy and your mind cannot become focused. Uh, so the necessary condition uh, for concentration uh, is to have a very happy mind. Uh. So this happiness... Uh, uh, you have to work for that happiness. How to work for that happiness? The basic things like you have to have generosity, dana. You got to be a very, um, be a person who likes to help people. Uh, then you have to have very good sila. You have good sila. You don't harm others, so you don't have remorse. So these are the two basic things. If you do these two things, then you are happy. You know that you are a proper human being, uh, you are a humane character. Uh, and then if you have do you do other things like studying the suttas uh, and meditating, uh, then that is uh, further supporting conditions. Uh, uh. So the cause of uh, concentration is happiness. I say monks that happiness too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for happiness? It should be said tranquility. I just like to mention here that you know if you if you all have seen people who have Alzheimer's uh, disease, uh, what we say, mung tong, low more Some people when they are old, uh, their mind is very disturbed. Uh, they they forget easily and uh, they talk rubbish. Uh, black pet lah, pinangalang kong black pet. <laughs> Uh, this uh, this type of persons, uh, you find uh, that most of the time uh, they don't have good sila because they have done something wrong in the past uh, that their mind is full of remorse, full of uh, disturbance. Uh, so because of that, uh, so they uh, 
their mind is very disturbed. That's why they cannot attain uh, concentration. So that's why you need happiness uh, to attain concentration. So the cause of happiness uh, is tranquility. And this word tranquility is pasadi. Tranquility. A tranquil mind uh, can be a happy mind. If your mind is not tranquil, uh, for example, you have a lot of stress. Uh, you are in the rat race, uh, trying to make your million uh, <laughs> or whatever, so you don't have a tranquil mind, and that is suffering, the sutta says, if you don't have a tranquil mind, that is suffering, so uh, happiness uh, is a tranquil mind due to tranquility. I say, monks, that tranquility too has approximate cause, it does not lack approximate cause, and what is the approximate cause for tranquility? It should be said rapture, or this word rapture is piti, delight is a better translation, because later books, uh, they talk about pity as though uh, it's a very strong uh, condition. But that is according to later books, like commentaries and all that. In the suttas, uh, it says that this uh, pity uh, is a subtle perception. So, uh, so this uh, pity, uh, there are two types, uh, kano pity and spiritual pity. Uh, carnal delight and spiritual delight. Carnal delight uh, is uh, the delight uh, that comes from sensual uh, enjoyment. But uh, spiritual delight uh, uh, you attain uh, when a person attains the first first jhana and the second jhana, then this uh, spiritual delight arises. That's nothing to do with uh, sensual uh, enjoyment. Uh, so. So this delight here is uh, refers to the uh, first and the second jhana. I say, monks, that delight too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for delight? It should be said gladness. This word gladness uh, is uh, pamoja. Uh, maybe a better translation uh, is joy. Uh, joy. And I say, monks, that uh, joy too has approximate cause it does not lack approximate cause and what is the approximate cause for joy or gladness it should be said faith faith here uh, refers to faith in the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha uh, if you have faith uh, from understanding the Buddha's teachings uh, uh, you study the Buddha's teachings and then uh, you know uh, that the Buddha's teachings guide you uh, so well uh, that you live a skillful life uh, then you are very happy la, that you are walking the right path la, that will bring you to a good destination. La. So you have joy within you. Mm. I say, monks, that faith too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is approximate cause for faith? Here it says, uh, it, should, it should be said suffering. Uh, but actually, uh, I add one more link here. La. It's actually searching. Because uh, when you have suffering, uh, you start to question. Uh, like Ajahn Brahm likes to say, why me? Why me? Isn't it? If you have cancer, people like to question, why must I get cancer? Other people don't get cancer. Why must I get cancer? Uh, you have some other sickness, uh, fatal sickness, and uh, then you start to question. Uh, or you pray for divine help and no help comes. Uh, and you start to question. Uh, so when we suffer, uh, then we start searching. Uh, 
Uh, the Bible says, uh, search and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Uh, so you have to make the effort to search. Uh, so from suffering, uh, you start searching, uh, you look for answers. Uh, uh, maybe like me, I go from one religion to another religion. Uh, uh, finally, I come to Buddhism. Uh, then I, I, I find it very logical, it's very profound. Uh, then I study more. Uh, then I start to understand. Then I have sadha, I have faith. And then when I have faith, I know I'm on the right track. I have joy within me. So this is a sequence. So here, although the sutta does not say, I add in one more link. It is the search. Search that gives you that faith in the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. And then this search also has a, a cause, la, and this cause is suffering. La. When you suffer, you start to search. La. Uh, I see monks that suffering too has a proximate cause. It does not lack a proximate cause. And what is the proximate cause of suffering? It should be said birth. Uh, because this world la, is a world of suffering. Uh, it is not uh, Disneyland all the time. <laughs> uh, so because it's a world of suffering, uh, because we are born into this world, la, that we experience suffering. I say monks that birth too has a proximate cause. It does not lack a proximate cause. And what is the proximate cause for birth? It should be said bhava. This word bhava here is existence. Sometimes they translate it as being. This is one of the links in dependent origination that makes dependent origination very difficult to understand. For many years I could not understand what is this bhava. Uh, now I think I understand what it is. La. So when I tell you the secret, now you save many years of searching like me. <laughs> this word bhava means being. What is this being? It is actually a perception. You know, a perception. This perception is I exist. I am. So when you have this perception, I exist or I am, then. This being, uh, this living being uh, comes into existence. Uh, okay? Uh, you look, when we compare ourselves uh, with the tree, the tree has also got a certain kind of consciousness, right? When there's sunlight now, uh, you will move towards the sunlight, right? So it has a certain kind of consciousness. But it is different from us because it does not have the perception, I exist. Right? Uh, so because it does not have the perception, I exist, it does not suffer like us. Suppose you take a parang and you chop the tree. It does not cry for help. It does not consider that it suffers. But if you chop me, I will cry for help. Uh, right? Uh, so it is because of this perception, I am, I exist, uh, that a living being comes into existence. Uh, uh, that's why it's called existence. It's also called a being. Mm. In Chinese, what is the word for being, a living being? Chungsheng is one word, right? What is another word? Yujing, right? Yu Qing means Wu Kam Qing, Wu Feeling. If you have feeling, then you have suffering. If you don't have feeling, you don't have suffering. Right? So like the tree does not have feeling. So this is the difference between a living being and a tree. Here I'll divert a little bit. You know, during the Buddha's time in India, there was a general belief uh, that plants are beings, you know, and that earth, uh, the earth, the ground, the bumi, uh, is also a being, you know. 
That's why if you look at the monk's precepts, uh, 227 precepts, uh, a monk is not allowed to cut grass. A monk is not allowed to chop trees because they believe uh, at that time uh, that plants are living beings and they call it one faculty beings. We have six faculties, uh, we have six senses, uh, but they say the plant has got one, sen- one, one faculty, uh, one, one sense organ. Uh. So because of that, now uh, when they saw monks chopping trees, uh, they got very annoyed. Uh. How can these samanas, uh, disciples of the Sakyaputta, the disciples of the, the Sakyan, uh, go and chop trees? So they complain, uh, they spread the word around. So when the Buddha heard, uh, the Buddha stopped monks from chopping trees. Uh. But the Buddha did not believe uh, that trees are living beings. Uh. But the Buddha believed uh, that inside trees, uh, there are beings. Uh. Uh, being, uh, these uh, trees uh, are the abodes uh, of three spirits, that you can call them fairies if you like. So it is maybe because there are beings in trees. That's why some people, like olden days Chinese, some olden days Chinese people believe that old trees can become beings. Can once they are old enough, they can turn into beings. Why? Because there are certain beings inside there that. Manifest, la. for example, you chop the, the tree unnecessarily, uh, the tree spirit get angry, uh, cause you to have an accident, uh, then they thought, wow, this, this tree caused me to have an accident, I must be a living being. <laughs> uh, so these are all what animists uh, believe, uh, like Chinese, uh, we believe uh, that even the stone, uh, if the stone is old enough, uh, maybe it will turn into a living being. <laughs> Uh, that's why Indians, uh, they believe that uh, these um, trees uh, and uh, ground, that's why ground, uh, that this uh, earth, uh, a monk is not allowed to dig the earth. Uh, but in the monk's precepts, it is not a general rule that monks are not allowed to dig the earth. The Buddha said, uh, if the earth contains uh, living creatures, like worms and caterpillars and all that, then a monk is not allowed to dig, uh, to harm these beings. Uh, and the Buddha also said uh, that uh, in the earth, uh, you have uh, what we call orang bunyan, <laughs> uh, elves uh, in uh, English term, uh, elves, uh, uh, what, uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh. <laughs> and the Buddha also believed uh, that there are such spirits inside. Uh, so the Buddha said, uh, I have to be careful. Uh, but if it's pure sand, uh, amongst the lakutik, uh, it is... Uh, a new earth uh, that has just been uh, dumped there. Uh, also, among is allowed to dig. Uh, there's a lot of stones. Uh, no no life uh, among is allowed to dig. So you find the monk's precepts uh, that uh, uh, when you offer fruit to a monk, if there are seeds, uh, the monk will say, Kapiang Karohi. Right? Uh, those of you who have been Kapiyas, uh, you know uh, you are supposed to take the knife and cut it a bit. Uh, and then you say kapiang bante. Uh, kapiang karohi means uh, make it allowable. Kapiang is uh, allowable. Uh, karohi is make, make it allowable. So the, the kapiya says uh, kapiang bante. I make it allowable bante. Uh, so cuts a bit. So with that uh, uh, ritual, uh, a monk can take the fruit. Uh, but then uh, these type of precepts uh, are very minor. They're not really important, especially nowadays. Uh, I don't believe that there's a, 
uh, this uh, fruit is a living being. I don't believe that the seed is a living being. Uh, but then because it is laid down in the, in the Vinaya and the monk's precepts, uh, we try to keep it where it is. Uh, we can, uh, so like for example, in the monks, uh, in our monastery, uh, uh, we do this every day. Uh, but sometimes when we go out, uh, you know, there are some people, we go to a Buddhist society or something, uh, people, they don't know how to do it. Uh, I don't insist. Uh, uh, but sometimes uh, some people misunderstand. Uh, they think I don't keep the Vinaya and I, I don't ask somebody to copy and karohi. This uh, in, the, in the Buddha's teachings uh, is Sila Bhatta Paramasa. Sila Bhatta Paramasa is attachment to Sila and rituals. Is ritual uh, is any ritual uh, concerned with the religion. Uh, so if you are too attached to this kind of thing also, uh, it's an obstacle uh, because to attain Sotapanna, the first fruit, uh, first fruit of Aryahood, uh, you have to let go of three uh, factors, Sangyojana. One of them is attachment to rules and rituals. Mm. Rules and rituals uh, are useful uh, for a purpose. You must know the purpose. Uh, if you don't know the purpose, uh, you simply attach to it uh, every time. Uh, there's no point uh. Right. Uh, so, if you attach to some of these things, uh, even good thing also, when you attach to it, it becomes an uh, 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 obstacle. Mm, for example, vegetarianism is good for health, but if you are too attached to it, nah, it's also, I think, not correct. Nah. Uh, so, okay. So, that is uh, bhava, existence. Nah. Uh, so, now I told you the secret. Nah. <laughs> Bhava is uh, being, uh, this perception that I exist. And I say monks that existence or being too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for existence, Bhava? It should be said clinging. Clinging. When you cling to something, uh, so you are attached to something, then you cling to it. Uh, you, you. Another word for clinging uh, is attachment. Upadana attachment. When you when you 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 want it so badly, uh, you cling to it. Uh, then uh, that I arises. I want it. Uh, uh, so that that that, that bhava, the perception of I arises because of clinging. Okay. Mm. For example, a small boy uh, never tasted ice cream before. He give him ice cream. He think, wow, so nice. Uh. He want some more. You give him another ice cream, I ask him to share with the, another boy, he don't want to share. Yes or not? He will eat until he gets sick. Na. <laughs> yes or not? Uh, so when that clinging is very strong, uh, that I am enjoying this, uh, I want this, uh, that, that bhava arises uh, due to clinging. I say monks that clinging too has approximate cause. It does not lack approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause for clinging? It should be said craving. Uh, so when you like a small boy, uh, he tastes the ice cream, uh, then he craves for it. Uh, from craving, uh, then he has attachment for it. Uh, so craving brings about attachment. Um, craving also, okay, I see monks that craving too has a proximate cause. It does not lack a proximate cause. And what is the proximate cause of craving? Which we said feeling. This feeling, uh, we have a pleasant feeling, we have unpleasant feeling, we have neutral feeling. When pleasant feeling arises, uh, uh, then you crave for it. Uh, uh, so, uh, business people are very smart. Uh, 
they create things uh, that give you pleasant feeling. Uh, uh, your feel good channel is one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, feeling uh, gives you craving. Mm. So the feeling too has approximate cause. And what is the approximate cause of feeling? It should be said contact. Contact. You know, we have six sense bases. Uh, at the six sense bases, uh, for example, form uh, appears before your eyes. Uh, and there is contact. Uh, once there is contact, uh, you see, uh, then feeling arises, uh, depending on what you see. And secondly, uh, when sound comes to your ear, when you... When it contacts your ear, also a feeling arises. So at the sixth sense basis, when the sixth sense objects contact your sixth sense basis, then feeling arises. So contact also has approximate cause. What is the approximate cause for contact? Is the sixth sense basis. It's because you have the sixth sense basis, the sixth sense organs, that you have contact at the sixth sense basis. And what is the cause for the six sense basis? Name and form, nama rupa. Nama rupa can also be translated as mentality, materiality. And then the cause for nama rupa is vinyana, consciousness. Now these two are like Siamese twins. You know, Siamese twins, sometimes they join at the head, sometimes they join at the body. They, they cannot go apart from each other. So these two are the same. Consciousness uh, and Nama Rupa. When consciousness arises, uh, you are conscious, right? You cognize. Uh. So what is it you are conscious of uh, is Nama Rupa. So Nama Rupa is the object of consciousness. Uh. In uh, English word is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh. So this uh, object of consciousness, uh, there are two types. Uh. One is the mental object of consciousness. The other one is the physical object. Uh. Uh, so the mental object uh, is nama. The physical object of consciousness uh, is rupa, uh, the physical world. Right? Uh, so nama rupa is mentality, materiality, which means phenomena. It is not mind and matter. Uh, when you investigate nama rupa, it cannot be mind and matter because it does not have consciousness. Consciousness is the counterpart of nama rupa. So Nama Rupa by itself uh, does not have consciousness. Uh, so when consciousness arises, Nama Rupa arises. When consciousness ceases, Nama Rupa also ceases. They arise and cease at the same time. They are like Siamese twins, as I mentioned. Uh, uh, so Nama Rupa must be the object of consciousness, which is phenomenal. Uh. So from uh, having Nama Rupa, then you know uh, that you have six sense bases. Okay? Uh, so, uh, the approximate cause for consciousness uh, is volition. This word sankara is another difficult word to understand. This sankara, sankara in the Paticca Samupada, it says there are three types of sankara. Uh, body, kaya sankara, vachi sankara, and citta sankara. And then uh, later books say uh, that sankara means karma. Uh, creating karma, intentional action. But uh, unfortunately, they did not notice uh, that in the suttas, there are two sets of sankaras. One is kaya, vachi, and citta sankara. The other one that has got to do with karma is kaya, vachi, and mano sankara. Uh, 
uh, is different. Uh, so this one uh, is not is not uh, creating karma. But when you say volition, uh, volition is volition is like uh, intention, uh, uh, will, uh, will. So uh, if you want to include karma, also can. Uh, but uh, more importantly, uh, to me, uh, it is the will to live. Uh, it is because of the will to live. Uh, that uh, we have consciousness. You must remember uh, that consciousness uh, is not an unending stream of consciousness. You know, uh, uh, we, uh, if you don't understand the, uh, the Dharma, we like to think uh, that consciousness is an un, uh, uh, unending stream. Actually, in the Buddha's teachings, uh, consciousness arises from conditions. Uh, like, for example, seeing consciousness arises and passes away very fast. And then, for example, hearing consciousness arises and passes away very fast, extremely fast. So these six consciousness, they arise and pass away, arise and pass away. So fast that you think that they are continuous, but actually they are arising and passing away. Now, when one consciousness arises and passes away, what is it that makes another consciousness arise and pass away? There is something that makes it arise and pass away. Arise and pass away. And this something uh, is Sankara, evolution, uh, which to me uh, is more like the will to live. Uh, because we have a strong will to live. Uh, every time our consciousness dies, uh, it will light up again, just like a fire. When a fire is going off, uh, and it's a very almost about to blow, go off, uh, then a wind comes, a uh, slight wind, uh, and then it bursts into flames again. Uh. So this wind uh, is that. Sankara, the uh, volition, which has more to do uh, of that uh, will to live. Uh, of course, uh, if you want to add the karma part, you can also. Uh, so, uh, this volition also has a proximate cause. Uh, what is the proximate cause of volition? Is avijja, ignorance. Uh. It's because of ignorance uh, that we want to continue living in sansara. Uh. Uh, because we we see ourselves as this body and this mind. Uh, there is when I used to study um, Hinduism, uh, there's one holy man. Uh, he had a, he, he said something uh, which was quite striking. Uh, he said the ordinary person uh, sees himself in the world, and the enlightened person uh, sees the world in himself. His mind uh, has opened up uh, until uh, the whole world uh, is inside him. Just like the Arahan Anuruddha. This member Anuruddha, his psychic eye is so powerful. He can see 1,000 world systems like in the palm of his hand, so small. <laughs> so an enlightened person sees the world in himself. But we, Bodo Bodo, we see ourselves in the world. <laughs> so from here, you can see it's because of ignorance of the Four Noble Truths that we have this will to live. We want we want life. Uh, and it's because we want life uh, that consciousness uh, continues, uh, uh, bursts into, uh, arises and passes away. And because of the will to live, it arises and passes away, arises and passes away non-stop. Uh, so from consciousness, uh, you have Namarupa, uh, which is the twin, uh, Siamese twin of consciousness. And when you have consciousness and Namarupa, then you realize that you have six sense bases. Uh, uh, and the sixth sense basis uh, will bring contact uh, at the sixth sense doors. Uh, and contact will bring upon you feeling. Uh, 
And because of feeling, uh, when you have pleasant feeling, uh, then you crave for it. Uh. And when you crave for it, uh, then you attach to it, uh, you cling to it. Uh. And clinging uh, brings about existence. Uh. You see yourself, uh, I want this. Uh, this this I am arises. Uh, that being arises. Uh. Uh, and because of existence, uh, then you see yourself born into the world. Uh. Once you, you have that I, uh, then you realize, oh, I am born into the world. Uh. And birth, uh, because of birth in the world, uh, you are suffering. Uh. Suffering means, uh, in the Buddha's teachings, uh, suffering is, uh, birth is suffering, aging is suffering, uh, sickening is suffering, dying is suffering. Not to get what you want is suffering. Uh, to be separated from your loved ones is suffering. To be, uh, to associate with your enemies uh, is suffering. And um, in short, uh, the Buddha says, uh, uh, the five aggregates of attachment, uh, your body and your mind, uh, uh, is suffering. Uh, so, um, so once you have this, uh, see yourself born into the world, you have suffering. And because of suffering, uh, you start searching. Uh, uh, this 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 uh, search uh, is is the extra one I added. <laughs> so because of searching, uh, you come into the Dhamma. Then you have faith, uh, sadda. Uh, and after you have faith, and you have understood the Buddha's teachings, uh, then joy arises. Uh, then when joy arises, uh, then you practice meditation. Uh, you put in energy, uh, and then delight arises, uh, piti. Uh, and from delight, uh, if you carry on, uh, then you have pasadi, tranquility of mind. And tranquility of mind will bring happiness. Uh, and happiness will bring about concentration, uh, which is perfect concentration, four uh, jhanas. And when you have perfect concentration, uh, then you know and see things as they really are. Uh, in particular, uh, you know and see uh, the five aggregates, uh, your body and mind, as they really are. And when you understand... Uh, uh, these five aggregates, as they really are, then you have revulsion uh, for these five aggregates. Uh. And uh, after you have revulsion, uh, then you have dispassion, uh, disenchantment. Uh. Uh, and then when you have disenchantment, uh, then it leads to liberation. Uh, and then when you have liberation or destruction of the asavas, uh, then you know uh, that you have destroyed the asavas. Uh. Uh, so when you count these links, uh, it amounts to 24 uh, Double the normal one. Double the normal one is only twelve. Uh, uh. So that's the end of this sutta. Uh, you have anything to discuss? We can discuss. You know, this is uh, when you listen to talks like this. Yeah, uh, then you understand much faster. If you go and study the Nikayas yourself, I uh, spend many years scratching your head. Uh, so it's good to attend Dharma talks. Okay, anything? There's a shade of difference. Now. It is not. Uh, it is not uh, very clear cut now. Just like, for example, in your mind, uh, you have feeling, you have perception, you have volition, you have consciousness. Uh. Now, if you want to divide them uh, clearly, uh, also very difficult. Because uh, you cannot have feeling without consciousness, isn't it? Feeling is a type of consciousness, isn't it? <laughs> so Perception also is a type of consciousness. 
Volition also is a type of consciousness. So even though uh, in the suttas they are said to be separate. Lah, but if you try to split hairs, uh, very, not so easy. Lah, uh, so, but uh, when you experience them, uh, uh, then uh, there's a shade of uh, difference. Lah. The other thing. Yeah. Say again, the guru? Not necessarily. So what do we mean when we say they enlightened? In, by the standard is enlightened. Just like in Mahayana teachings, uh, like in Zen Buddhism, uh, you should find stories. Uh, the, this uh, student, disciple uh, comes to the teacher. The teacher takes a rotan and knocks his head. Nah, then he shouts. It's enlightened already. <laughs> so that is to us, that is not really enlightened. But in Mahayana Buddhism, uh, they talk of, of enlightenment as the mind uh, returning to nature. Lah. So it's like uh, opening up the, of the mind. Nah. And to us, nah, that is Arupa Jhana. Arupa jana. So how can the mind opens up? Lah? But that is not yet enlightenment. But it's still a high state. Lah. Yes, in uh, Patisya Samupada, uh, dependent origination, uh, Kaya Sankara is the uh, body conditioner, which is the breath, la, because the body depends on the breath to live. La. And Vachi Sankara is said to be thoughts, la, thinking. Mm, thoughts, thoughts directed and sustained. Mm. So this, uh, because uh, be, Vachi means speech, la. Before you can speak, uh, you must think, isn't it? Uh, so this thinking uh, is vitaka and vichara. So after you think only, uh, you can speak. That's why a speech conditioner is thinking. Uh, and then the um, uh, mental citta sankara is perception and feeling. For the citta, the mind to work, uh, you must have the condition of... Uh, uh, this uh, perception and feeling. Once perception and feeling arises, uh, it uh, it comes together with consciousness. The consciousness, the mind starts working. Uh, so uh, you can say uh, that uh, this um, uh, volition, this uh, breathing, uh, this kaya sankara. Uh, uh, is governed by the will to live. It's because we have this will to live uh, that we have programmed into our mind uh, to breathe. And because it has been programmed into our mind to breathe, uh, so it becomes almost automatic. We breathe in and out uh, almost automatically. We, we don't realize uh, actually there is a will behind it. Uh, so unless some, somebody uh, stops the breathing, if somebody were to uh, strangle you or something, uh, then uh, you make great effort to breathe, right? Uh, so it's because of your will to live uh, that you want to breathe. Uh, and the other one, uh, this uh, Vachi Sankara is due to thinking. This thinking uh, also uh, 
is concerned with the will to live lah. Because in the aharas, the nutrients uh, that contribute to the continuation of life, uh, living beings, uh, we are sustained by by certain conditions lah. And uh, thoughts are one of them. When we when we have uh, thinking, uh, it, it sustains our uh, our this uh, our continuation of our body and our mind. Same with this uh, perception and feeling. When we have perception and feeling, uh, that comes together with consciousness, uh, and consciousness is also one of the nutrients uh, for the persistence of life. Uh. Uh, that's why I believe uh, that these uh, sankaras are connected with the will to live. Uh. Yeah. Twelve point twenty three. But when you look into this sutta, it's so short. <laughs> Doesn't give you uh, it's, it's just the the bare bones lah. Any other thing? You know, if you look into uh, Buddhist teachings, uh, you find uh, there are a lot of, for example, meditation teachers. Uh, they teach uh, meditation. Uh, which is the path to enlightenment, the path to liberation. And yet surprisingly, uh, you find that uh, they never explain what is enlightenment. Uh, they Sometimes they say, uh, uh, like for example, Vipassana meditation, the aim is to attain wisdom. Yeah, But liberation is not attaining wisdom. Liberation uh, is a physical happening, and this physical happening is destruction of the asavas. Uh, so surprisingly, uh, you find uh, a lot of uh, monks, uh, they don't explain uh, what is this destruction of the asavas. If they understand destruction of the asavas, uh, then they really un- understand uh, that you cannot have destruction of the asavas, uh, arahanhood, uh, without the jhanas. Because the jhana, when you enter a state of jhana, you have stopped the flow of asavas for as long as you are in that jhana. So at least uh, you are able, if you abide in jhana for one hour, uh, you are able to stop the asavas for one hour. Uh, if you are able to prolong uh, this uh, length of time you are in jhana, then uh, you have more skill uh, in uh, stopping the asavas. So uh, to be able to destroy the asavas, uh, at least uh, you must be able to stop it for some time, isn't it? Uh, so if you don't enter the jhana, you don't have the ability to enter the Buddha's jhana, then you don't have the ability uh, to stop the flow of the asavas, uh, which means uh, you can never become liberated. That's why uh, in the Buddha's teaching, uh, in the Majjhima Nikaya, somebody asked the Venerable Ananda, what type of meditation is praised by the Buddha? What type of meditation is not praised by the Buddha? What did the Venerable Ananda say? The type of meditation praised by the Buddha is the first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana. In other words, only this is Buddhist meditation, you know. And then the type of meditation which is not praised by the Buddha is the type of meditation where the five hindrances are not eliminated. But the five hindrances are only eliminated when you attain the jhanas. 
Uh, that is quite clear in the suttas. Uh, so if you go and practice a type of meditation where you cannot stop the asavas uh, from flowing, uh, at least for a certain period, uh, you have no hope of enlightenment, no hope of attaining arahanhood. That's why the Buddha says uh, that the jhanas are the footprints of the Buddha. Sometimes people like to belittle the the jhanas are saying, oh, these external ascetics, uh, they practice jhana also, they don't become enlightened. It just, just, just because they practice jhana, they don't become enlightened, uh, doesn't mean uh, jhana is not necessary. It's because they don't practice the, all the factors of the Noble Eightfold Path. Ma. If you use that type of argument, uh, then you can say, oh, these external ascetics, uh, they keep sila, but they never become enlightened, so sila is no use. Isn't it? That's the same kind of logic. No? Isn't it? Sila is not unnecessary. Sila is necessary. But if you practice sila by itself, you cannot become enlightened. Just like if you practice jhana by itself, you cannot become enlightened. You need all the factors of the Noble Eightfold Path together only will bring you enlightenment. Isn't it? Sometimes this type of silly reasoning they give is not valid. Say again, without what? Without a clear mind mm-hmm. of jhana, you can do vipassana properly because the mind is not clear. So I can do vipassana first and then samatha. Firstly, uh, you must um, be um, clear in the suttas, uh, vipassana is not concerned with meditation, you know. In the suttas, vipassana means contemplation. And contemplation uh, means, uh, is actually uh, the seventh factor of the Noble Eightfold Path. Uh, contemplation refers to contemplation of the body, feelings, mind and dhamma. And out of these four objects of contemplation, uh, the most important is the Dhamma. Why? Because uh, it's stated in the suttas uh, that a person attains liberation uh, on five occasions. Only five occasions uh, a person becomes an arahan. The first one is listening to the sutta. He becomes an arahan. Second one, uh, when he's teaching the sutta, he becomes an arahan. The third one, when he's repeating the sutta, he becomes an arahan. Because in the Buddha's time, uh, they had no books. So when they repeat the suttas, uh, it's just like you're reading books now. Uh, you keep reading the book again and again. Uh, uh, then you understand more and more. Uh. So when they repeat it, uh, they attain arahanhood. The fourth is when they reflect on the Dhamma. They attain arahanhood. The last one is when they meditate. And they, they meditate on the Samadhi Nimitta. Uh, reflect on it. Uh, then they attain arahanhood. So uh, Vipassana is the seventh factor of the Noble Eightfold Path. Uh, the eighth factor uh, is Sama Samadhi, which is the four jhanas. So, uh, if you don't practice the four jhanas, uh, you're only practicing seven factors, you know. Okay? Uh, so that cannot bring you to enlightenment. Uh, now, Sati Patana is different from Sati. Sati Patana, it is said in the suttas uh, that when you practice the first factor of the Noble Eightfold Path, uh, it will bring you to the second factor. 
and the second factor will bring you to the third factor, etc. In other words, uh, you start with right view. After you have right view, uh, then you have right thoughts. Uh, and right thoughts, uh, because of right thoughts, you have right speech. Uh, because before you speak, uh, you must think. Uh, so right thoughts bring you to right speech. And right speech brings you to right action. And right action brings you to right livelihood. And right livelihood uh, brings you to uh, right effort. Uh, you start... Uh, observing your mind, uh, correcting your mental states. Uh, and then right uh, effort uh, will bring you to uh, right recollection, which is uh, samasati. Uh, record. Why I use the word recollection means uh, remembering uh, your four objects that you should contemplate, uh, the body, feelings, mind, and dhamma. Uh, that's why it's called uh, recollection. It is not general mindfulness, you know. It is not mindfulness of other things, uh, uh, only mindful of four things, body, feeling, mind, and dhamma. That is samasati. Uh, that's why it's called remembering. Sati yeah, is a word that means remembering. Remembering to contemplate these four things. And then, uh, after you practice samasati, yeah, it must bring you to samasamadhi. And how does samasati yeah, bring you to samasamadhi? Uh, Nowadays, uh, some monks say, uh, sati got nothing to do with samadhi, sati got nothing to do with jhanas, but it has. In the suttas, uh, sati patana is the link. Sati and sati patana is different. Sati patana is an intense state of sati. That means uh, you, contem- you contemplate one object uh, to the exclusion of everything else. Uh, this uh, you can understand from the sati patana sangyutta. Uh, in the sangyutta nikaya, there's one sutta. In the Satipatthana Sangyutta, that explains uh, how to practice Satipatthana. And it gives this uh, parable, uh, this simile, uh, of the most beautiful girl of the land came out uh, and all the men clapped their hands and shouted, the most beautiful girl of the land. And then more people came out and shouted and clapped. Then they asked her to sing and dance and she sang and danced and more people came out to, to, to shout and clap their hands. Then an ordinary guy came along and he was caught caught and made to carry a bowl of oil filled to the brim, filled to the top. And he was asked to walk in the middle of a crowd of people. And they told him, we walk behind you with the sword. If you spill this oil, even one drop of this oil will chop off your head. So this guy, this poor guy has to walk. Does he dare to look at the beautiful girl? Yeah, not. His life is at stake. So he has to Look at this oil uh, all the time uh, with undivided attention on one object only. Uh, this simile was given in the suttas to make us understand what is the meaning of Satipatthana. Uh, and then there is another sutta that says uh, that if you practice sat- Satipatthana skillfully, uh, you must attain samadhi. You must attain concentration. Uh, if you don't practice it in the right way, uh, you will not end up with jhana. You practice in the right way, eh? like this guy eh, looking at the bowl of oil with undivided attention. Uh, it must end up in concentration. Uh, so, when you practice Satipatthana, it brings you to the jhanas. So, the cause of the jhanas eh, is actually Satipatthana. Uh, that is why in the suttas, eh, they ask Venerable Anuruddha, what is it you practice eh, that you got such great psychic power? You can see 1,000 bull systems eh, in the palm of your hand. What do you say? Satipatthana. Ah, so Satipatthana is synonymous with jhana. Ah, 
because uh, it's impossible to have psychic power uh, without jhana. Uh, so when he says satipatthana, it means uh, satipatthana and jhana is the same thing. But now this, there are some monks that say uh, he practice satipatthana, nothing to do with jhana. They are not for teaching what the suttas say, they are giving their own opinions. By the way, I brought some uh, MP3s. During the Vasa, I uh, gave talks uh, every night, almost every night, on the Sangyuta Nikaya. And the Sangyuta Nikaya, of all the Nikayas, uh, the most profound uh, is the Sangyuta Nikaya. Uh, I don't know of any other monk uh, who has uh, spoken on the Sangyuta Nikayas. So uh, I brought some. uh, uh, Anybody interested can take Uh, if you really listen to it again and again, uh, you have a very good chance of getting right view. Uh, you get right view, uh, you enter the stream, and then you enter the stream, uh, all the ghost realm, animal realm, hell, all close to top pintu. Uh, so then uh, you can take a slow boat or sangsara, never mind. Uh, because when you are reborn, uh, you can only be reborn as your human being or heaven. Deva or Devi. And even if you come back as a human being, uh, you have a very happy life because as if you are an Arya, you have a lot of blessings. Okay, there's nothing else. You can uh, transfer merit.